0: If you're going to head today from Georgetown to Lampasas or from Liberty Hill out to Lano, it would be about 50 miles. If you're going to walk, you better set aside a couple days. It's going to take you a little over 18 hours to walk out there. Fortunately, that's not all the... Modes of transportation available to us today, you, you could actually get on a horse, and you could just ride out there, and it'd, it'd take a good, hard day's ride, but you could get there in a day on a horse. Well, gratefully, it's not the only mode of transportation for. today we could get in a car, and we could get out there in about 45 minutes. If you had access to a Cessna 152 or so, you could probably get out there in about 15 minutes. If you wanted to travel around the world and have a face-to-face conversation with an individual, you could essentially be there instantly through technologies like FaceTime. It just blows my mind when I think about how close we really are to the rest of the world. We are closer than ever to the rest of the world. And today, when we read through Joshua 20 and 21, I want you to keep in mind the fact we are closer than ever to the rest of the world. Back when I was in college, my junior year of college, I was in a particular class one spring, and in that particular class, uh, there was another guy in the class that I had made acquaintances with through mutual friends. I walked into the class and there he sat in class and somewhere along the way we ended up early on in the in the semester sitting by each other I remember the first day that I sat by him sitting there listening to the professor lecture and my friend that I sat by he pulled out of his backpack a plastic baggie full of raw carrots and he began to eat a snack in the middle of class it's not exactly easy to hide eating raw carrots in the middle of class. And I'm sitting there looking over, thinking to myself, I would like some raw carrots to snack on. And sure enough, he offered me the baggie and said, hey, would you like some raw carrots? I was like, sure, I'll take some raw carrots. So I got in there. We were both chomping on raw carrots right there in the middle of the class. Well, the next class period rolls around. When I walk into class, I'm looking for him. Where's he sitting today? Because I'm thinking to myself, maybe he has raw carrots again today and I can have a little class snack. And so sure enough, I find him, and I sit by him, and he regularly brings snacks to class. And so I found a lot of reasons to want to sit by him every class period. And over the course of that semester, we had conversations around those snacks and those classroom experiences, and we became friends. And by the end of the semester, he and I began talking about our living plans for the next fall, the fall of my senior year in college. And he brought up one day, hey, how would you like to find an apartment together and be roommates our last year in college I was like that's great and so we did that we found a place to live we signed a lease agreement we became roommates my senior year in college now the real big part of that story is the fact that in September of my senior year of college I met Lindley and I would have never met her had Scott not shared that little plastic baggie of carrots? Because Scott was friends with Lindley. And I had never, I, my path would never have crossed with Lindley if not for my friendship with Scott. That's even more amazing than that because. I decided that I would ask Scott if we could go out on a double date for our birthdays in September. He agreed to that, and so we decided we would ask a couple girls out. And so I asked Lindley out on a blind date we'd never met before, only because of what Scott had been saying about her, and because her path had crossed my path and her friendship with Scott. And so I decided I'm going to ask Lindley on this blind date. He says, you're never going to do it. You never met her. I said, I am going to do it because you know her and I'm your roommate. So I I called Lindley up and I asked her out on the date. She said yes, and I thought, there you go. I did it, and she said yes. What I did not know at the time is the reason she said yes, because Scott would be on the date, and she liked Scott. (laughs) But when it was all said and done, he had a bag of carrots and I had Lindley. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the little things. The little things, they matter so much. So we're going to read Joshua 20 and 21. And when we read through Joshua 21, I want you to keep two things in mind. You've never been closer to your world. And the little things matter more than you can imagine. All right, let's read it. Joshua 20. We're going to read all the chapters. And chapter 20 and 21 are about two of the little things that are left regarding the promised land. Chapter 20, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Joshua, tell the Israelites, select your cities of refuge as I instructed you through Moses. So that a person who kills someone unintentionally or accidentally may flee there. These will be your refuge from the avenger of blood. When someone flees to one of these cities, stands at the entrance of the city gate, and states his case before the elders of that city, they are to bring him into the city and give him a place to live among them. And if the avenger of blood pursues him, they must not hand the one who committed manslaughter over to him, for he killed his neighbor accidentally and did not hate him beforehand. He is to stay in that city until he stands trial before the assembly and until the death of the high priest serving at the time. Then the one who committed manslaughter may return home to his own city from which he fled. So they designated Kadesh in the hill country of Naphtali in Galilee, Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim, and Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the hill country of Judah. Across the Jordan east of Jericho, they selected Bezer on the wilderness plateau of Reuben's tribe, Ramoth and Gilead from Gad's tribe, and Golan from Boshan from Manasseh's tribe. These are the cities appointed for all the Israelites and the aliens residing among them, so that anyone who kills a person unintentionally may flee there and not die at the hand of the avenger of blood until he stands before the assembly. One of the two remaining tasks regarding the promised land was the assignment of cities of refuge. And the city of refuge is described in several places in Scripture. Numbers chapter 35, Deuteronomy chapter 19. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 19, we're given an example of where this city might be of relevance. The example given in Deuteronomy 19 is you go out and you're deciding to chop some firewood with a buddy, your neighbor. And you go out and you're swinging the axe and the axe head flies off the handle and hits your neighbor And strikes your neighbor dead. When that happens, you might want to run to a city of refuge because your neighbor might have a brother who gets really upset over the fact you killed his brother. So, to save you from the avenging kinsman, you can run to the city of refuge. And you could present your case before the elders of that city. And if the elders of that city discover that you had no intent, there was no premeditation, it was an accidental killing, then you could experience protection and mercy under that city so that you are safe from the avenger brother. Brother who would like to take vengeance for the death of his brother. In fact, you can experience that protection and that mercy all the days of your life as long as you stay in that city, except when the high priest who's in charge dies. When the high priest dies, if you've been found innocent of premeditation, intentional murder, then what's going to happen when the high priest dies, you will be absolved from all wrong and you can go back home. And the avenger cannot touch you ever. Now if you ran to the city of refuge and it was discovered that you had premeditated the plan and you had killed intentionally, then the city elders would turn over justice to the avenger. And the avenger would act on behalf of the city's decision in trial and carry out The appropriate sentence of punishment on the guilty party. What God has done is he's established six cities of refuge. So that everyone living in the land could find mercy or justice when they needed mercy or justice most. These six cities were scattered across the promised land so that every single person was no more than one day away from mercy and justice. God so cared about the framework of mercy among his people, coupled with the framework of justice among his people, that he planted a Levitical city of refuge No more than one day away from everyone, both Israelite and alien. Those who were living in the land, God wanted them to experience an opportunity of living under his mercy or being protected by his justice. He made a way for everyone to experience Mercy and justice when they needed it most. This is God's heart revealed to his people in his concern for mercy and justice. There's an even more important reason why God established these cities of refuge than just the experience of mercy and justice across the land. You you find this more important reason fleshed out in that passage in Numbers 35. In verse 34 of that chapter, the Lord says, The reason I want you to have a city of refuge is because I do not want this land to be defiled. I want this land to be protected by dispensing of mercy and justice for the sake of my people so that the land would be a land that is clean." The reason the land needs to be clean is because the Lord says, I'm going to dwell in the land with my people. The reason God established the cities of mercy are not just so that mercy and justice would be the experience of his people, but so that when his people implemented mercy and justice, the land would remain clean and God would dwell in the land among his people. He wanted mercy and justice to be in proximity to everyone. More importantly, he wanted to be in proximity to everyone. Now remember with me, these are Levitical cities. And the Levites, remember, were not given an inheritance of land. Their inheritance as a tribe of God's people Was the Lord Himself. We've heard several times as we work through Joshua that the tribe of Levi does not inherit land. All the other tribes do, but the Levites needed a place to live. And so they are given cities in which to live that belong to other tribes. But we are repeatedly reminded that the inheritance of Levi is the Lord Himself. They are responsible for offering the offerings at the sanctuary or the tabernacle. They're the ones who are the priests before the Lord. Their inheritance is the Lord Himself. They inherit God's presence. There's your connection between the cities of refuge and the Levites. They're the elders in the cities that dispense mercy and justice to the land But they are the ones who have been given the inheritance of the Lord himself. And the reason God wants mercy and justice to be dispensed to the land is so that his presence is in the land. The cities of refuge have everything to do with the Levites experiencing their inheritance. The Lord's presence. But it's more than just ensuring that the Levites experience their inheritance. It's much more. Let's read chapter 21, just the first three verses. Chapter 21, the cities of the Levites. The Levite family heads approached the priest Eliezer, Joshua son of Nun, and the family heads of, Israel, of the Israelite tribes. At Shiloh, in the land of Canaan, they told them, the Lord commanded through Moses that we be given cities to live in with their pasture land for our livestock. So the Israelites, by the Lord's command, gave the Levites these cities with their pasture lands from their inheritance. And verse 4 says, the lot came out for Kohathite clans. And so then you're going to read the rest of this chapter about the allotment of these 42, what ends up being 48 cities, Levitical cities, six cities of refuge. And 42 Levitical cities given to the Levites out of the allotment of land that has been given to the rest of Israel. And so they're given these cities by allotment. Again, we're reminded of the Lord's providence in choosing the locations of these cities. There are 48 cities scattered all over the land. And that's where the Levites live. Remember, the Levites' inheritance is the Lord. And these three different clans are groups of Levites represented in the sons of Levi. You have Kohath, and you have Gershon, and you have Morari. Those are the three sons of Levi to whom God has prescribed specific activities around the tabernacle of the Lord, the place where the Lord's presence dwells. So if you are a descendant of Kohath, you would be in Moses and Aaron's line, and then there were some other siblings that were born to Kohath and his wife. If you were in that line, you would have the responsibility of what happened at the sanctuary on the altars and the offerings that were made. You'd have responsibility for doing all the little things related to the offerings. If you were in the family of Gershon, you'd have the responsibility of taking care of a lot of the things that the tabernacle was made out of, the curtains, the separations. If you were in the tribe, in, in the family of Merari, you'd have responsibilities around the pillars and the posts and the sockets and all the things that held the, the curtains up in the walls. In fact, th- this is a great parallel the Gershonites they they would probably resonate with that that psalm that says it's better to dwell in the doorway of the Lord than in the tents of the wicked their responsibility were the doorways so they had responsibility over all the little things in the tabernacle so that they might experience the presence of the Lord They were on a rotation where they would come from all these cities scattered all over the land. They would come in to Shiloh. And when they came into Shiloh, when it was their time to offer their service at the tabernacle. They would come into Shiloh and they would go through all the little steps of creating opportunities for the presence of the Lord to be among his people at the tabernacle in Shiloh. They would be there and they would perform their duties and some of them, their duties would be simply setting up the the tent stakes and and the pegs and the pillars and putting everything together so that the presence of the Lord would be experienced. And they all went there and they did their little jobs and they experienced the presence of God. And while they were there walking through all of that, they were to have noticed who the Lord is and recognized what the Lord has said. And after their responsibility is done, they're supposed to go home. And they would go home to these cities scattered out throughout all of the promised land. And they would simply live their lives having experienced uniquely God's presence as the only tribe to inherit the Lord himself. You know what the scripture says about the Levites? Moses, right before he dies, he blesses all the tribes. You know what he says about the tribe of Levi? He says, the tribe of Levi, they are the ones who will instruct all of Israel about who I am. See, they were supposed to experience the Lord's presence because that was... Their inheritance, and then they were supposed to go home and live where they live, scattered among all the other people, and simply talk about who God is and what God has said. The prophet Malachi picks up on this later in Malachi. And he says that the people should long to hear the priests speak because from the priests should come the knowledge of the Lord because the Levitical priests are the messengers of God. There was an indictment given in Malachi saying they weren't being the messengers of God. But the intent was that Levi would go back as a tribe and serve the Lord in these little things and because of that experience the Lord's inheritance unlike any other tribe in Israel and then scatter back home and live where they live having uniquely experienced the Lord and be instruction to the people of who God is and what God has said. God did not want his people to be more than one day away from mercy and justice. And he didn't want his people to be more than one person away from who he is and what he said. And so he scattered the Levites throughout the land. This is a design, a perfect design by the Lord. And look at what the end of chapter 21 says. Flip over to 21, verse 43. So the Lord gave Israel all the land He had sworn to give their fathers, and they took possession of it, and they settled there. The Lord gave them rest on every side according to all He had sworn to their fathers. None of their enemies were able to stand against them, for the Lord handed over all their enemies to them. None of the good promises the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed. Everything was fulfilled. They finished the final two tasks. They assigned the cities of refuge. They assigned Levitical cities so that mercy and justice could be experienced in the land. The presence of God could dwell among his people. And the tribe that was uniquely given the gift of the Lord's inheritance could live among the people and remind them all the time of who God is and what God has said. The reason why that is so perfect is because God had given them the land, subdued the enemies before them, but they had not yet realized all that God had given them. They still lived in the land where the enemy was present, though subdued and defeated, still dangerous. They lived in the land that they, they had yet, not yet completely taken in terms of realization. It was given to them. It was theirs to have. But they had to continue to take every next step of trusting the Lord so that they might experience the fullness of realizing God's promises fulfilled. He'd done everything, but they'd not yet realized everything. They had to continue to take every next step of trusting Him because He wanted them to realize ownership of all the land. In fact, God had given them instruction in Deuteronomy 19 to establish three more cities of refuge. If you keep obeying me and taking your next steps, I'm going to give you more experience of the land I've promised you. And as you get the experience of that land, you're going to set up three more cities of refuge because as you spread into what I've already given you, I never want anyone to be more than one day away from mercy and justice. I want everyone to be close to someone who can tell them About my presence, who I am, and what I've said. This is the plan of God. Does that sound familiar? Isn't it it just like this foreshadowing of something far better? I can't help but think of myself as if I was running to a city of refuge knowing that I have sinned against God, running to find mercy. But the problem is the city of refuge only provides mercy for the one who did not intentionally do wrong. And yet I know the reality of my life and your life is that every one of us, although we've made mistakes along the way, some of them very unintentional, accidental, The reality is that everyone, myself included, in this room has made mistakes on purpose. We have purposefully rebelled against God. We have chosen to do things we know are wrong. And when we run to the city of refuge, do you know we do not find mercy at the city of refuge? Because we have chosen to sin against God. Instead, when we run to the city of refuge, we find justice. God's wrath upon our sin. And so we are left in a place where we need something better than a city of refuge. The city of refuge is amazing. It's incredible. Its purpose is profound. But all of us need something better than a city of refuge. We need a city where Jesus is king. You see, in the city where Jesus is king, Jesus is also the avenger. In the city where Jesus is king, Jesus is also the high priest. And as king, what he determines is what is true. And he has determined that as the avenger, he takes our guilt. On himself and he pays the price for our guilt and sin so that he then can say the debt of this person's sin has been paid in full and so if this person is forgiven of that sin justice has been satisfied because I have absorbed the wrath of God for this individual's sin where Jesus is king he is also the avenger In the city where Jesus is king, he's also the high priest. He takes his own life completely free from sin, God in the flesh, and he lays it down before God and he says, I'll give my life on the cross so that their sins might be forgiven and they might find refuge in my city where they are completely absolved from all wrong done. They are forgiven. And as the high priest, he offers himself so that only one sacrifice ever had to be given for our sin. Jesus Christ gave himself once and for all as the high priest so that we could be forgiven once and for all. No exile, no penalty, favor of God. We we need the city where Jesus is king. If we come to the city where Jesus is king and we place our faith in him, he exercises vengeance upon our sin by becoming sin for us. He makes a perfect sacrifice for our sin by offering himself as that sacrifice, the perfect high priest. And he has once and for all given us the opportunity through faith in him to be free from all sin and death. You know what Jesus does for the one who comes to Him? Jesus then promises to send His Holy Spirit to live with us. Because the land of our lives, which was formerly defiled, is no longer defiled. Because Jesus, who is the Avenger and High Priest, has cleaned up this land. And He has sent His presence to dwell in us. So that for the rest of our lives we are only one moment away from his mercy and his justice that sets us free to experience the grace of his favor forever. Do you you know what you call the people who trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? You call us the church. And do you know what Jesus Christ has done with his church? He's scattered us throughout the world so that the people living in the land might always be just one person away. From the mercy and justice of God found uniquely in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So they might just be one person away from someone who can tell them about who God is and what God has said. God has scattered us throughout the world, the church, like a city on a hill. It shines a bright beacon in the darkness. So that no one can miss that city. God has scattered us throughout the world so that we are like salt of the earth. So when people are around us, they experience a thirst for something more because they see in us the presence of Christ. They see something happening in us that's uniquely given to us. A kingdom of priests. Set aside to live in the world so that we might demonstrate to a watching world that Jesus Christ is King. He is the Avenger, and He is the High Priest, and He longs to live with you. The Lord has never been closer to His people than He is right now. And we have never been closer to the world than we are right now. Shouldn't we be asking that the Lord make our light brighter than ever? But the little things matter. The the little things matter. Do you know why it is that re- repeatedly we talk about simply reading the Bible? You know how we talk about prayer? You know why we encourage you every day to pick up your Bible and read about the Lord? You know why we encourage you to respond to what you read about the Lord in prayer and every day simply go through little steps of seeing who the Lord is and being reminded of what the Lord has said? Because listen, you will never, ever care about the proximity of God in your life if you do not incorporate the little things about the proximity of God in your life. We must be a people who do the little things in relation to the proximity of God to us. His Spirit has been sent to us that we might have minds and hearts illuminated to the amazing truths of God's Word so that every day we have the personal experience of God's presence transforming the way we think about the rest of our lives. We must pay attention to the little things related to the proximity of God in our lives or we will not care one bit about being in proximity to people. You want to care about the people you're around? and care about the little things related to the proximity of God in your life. If you begin to care about the little things in your life related to the proximity of God, God will stir your heart to care about the people whom you are closer than ever to. May we be a people who are salt and light. And because God is near us, may we be a people who care about the people who are near us. There's there's only two tasks remaining in the land in which we live. The task of displaying the mercy and justice of God in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the task of His people being light to the world. Let's do the two remaining things with everything we are. That's what it means to live on mission. Amen. Amen.